It's nice to see you this morning. We're on a very practical series. We're talking about your jobs, your career, working, how do you advance your career. And today I want to talk about finding a job that you love, that you can love. A lot of people don't enjoy their job. They endure it, but they don't enjoy it. A lot of people dread getting up in the morning and dread driving to work because they dread what happens at work. And it's miserable if you're spending, you know, 40% of your waking hours doing something that you can't stand to do and just waiting for the weekends or I can't wait till I get home. That's not a healthy way to live. And I believe that God wants you to enjoy your job. I think he wants you to get the best out of it. The sad thing is that that job frustration doesn't just affect you, but you bring it home. And you can be a grouch, or you can be, you you take out your frustrations on your family. So it usually doesn't just make you feel miserable. It usually makes everybody else feel miserable. Even the fact that if you're feeling miserable, you might talk about it a lot. And then it brings down everybody else. So we know that that's not good. God wants you to be fulfilled. Look at Ecclesiastes 5.18. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor. That's in the Bible. God wants you to find satisfaction in your labor and what you're doing, that you can find some satisfaction there. The idea is God never meant for work to be a miserable experience. He wants you to find some satisfaction there. Circle that word. Satisfaction. It's good. It's proper to enjoy your job. In the very next verse in Ecclesiastes, verse 19, it says, To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, that indeed is a gift from God. To enjoy your work is a gift from God. That's something God wants. There's a difference between success and fulfillment. There are people that are very successful in what they do, but they might feel unfulfilled. You know, they're doing well but I I feel like I'm wasting my life. God wants you to be successful. He does. But he also wants you to have that sense of fulfillment by what you do, that sense of job satisfaction. There's three things, three factors, that when these three are combined can bring a lot of job satisfaction. One is knowing the purpose, the right purpose for work. We spent all of last week on six purposes of what you can gain from work, knowing the purpose behind it. But the other two things that you need is the right perspective. And the other one is the right place for you. I'm going to talk about those two this week. First of all, how can I have the right perspective at work? Because it starts there. Maybe the problem isn't my job. Maybe the problem's me. Maybe I can be very grateful that I have a job, but I just don't have the right perspective. So I need to change. Number one in your notes, having the right perspective, work for the Lord. Work for the Lord. In Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, you can circle the words, working for the Lord, no matter where you work. See, we have this idea that if you say, what does it mean to work for the Lord? That means to be a pastor, That means to be a missionary, you know, a worship leader. It means to do something at the church. No. 
whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. My first job was at McDonald's. It wasn't very fulfilling. But I still have the ability to work for the Lord. I'm going to give it my very best as if I'm working for God. Because that is who I'm working for. And with that perspective, it can take something like turning burgers and it can give you a better perspective. I'm doing this for God. Because the Bible says to do everything, work as if you're working for the Lord. With that perspective, things that wouldn't be as fulfilling become more fulfilling when you're doing it for God. Mowing lawns, doing people's taxes. Anything you do, you can do it with the perspective, with the attitude of, I'm doing this for God. What does that mean? You're going to do it your very best. Now it changes something that's mundane that maybe you don't like into something significant and meaningful, all because I changed my own attitude. I've decided I'm going to do this for God. He says, whatever you do, work as if you're working for the Lord. So I say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm working for God here. Because your primary service in life is to God. So you want to do that in everything that you do. And that right perspective makes something that seems unfulfilling more fulfilling. Number two, work like the Lord. Have the same attitude, the same spirit that Jesus had. Look at Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus focused on the needs of others. He's working like the Lord is what he's telling us to do. Work like the Lord. What would the Lord do? A serving attitude. You're there to serve people. You're there to help meet the needs of other people. That changes your perspective. When I was working at McDonald's, if I just thought about I'm here turning burgers, I can be thinking my job's a pits. Why am I here? But when I'm thinking I'm here to serve people, I'm here to serve people, it changes everything. Now I want to make the best burgers I can. It might be one of my family members that's going to eat it. It might be one of my friends that's going to eat it. I'm doing it for the Lord, so I'm making this hamburger as if Jesus was going to eat it. It changes everything. It changes the quality of your work. If you were making hamburgers and Jesus was the one that was going to eat it, all of a sudden it's significant what you're doing. If you were making food and the president was the one that's going to come and eat it, the significance of what you're doing has risen. So when you do it for the Lord, it gives you significance. Do it like the Lord would do it. Why? To serve others. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. We want to have that servant attitude where I'm excited to serve other people. I am doing this to make other people have a happier life. Fulfillment comes from giving your life away. You want to have a fulfilled life? You give your life away helping other people. So you don't only work as if you're working for the Lord, but like you're serving him or you're serving others. You know, I'm here, I'm mopping this floor so that other people can have a better life. You're there to serve them as if you're mopping it for Jesus is about to show up. And it's like, oh, I want this floor to look nice when he comes. You know, whatever you do, you do it with that attitude. And now... What you might feel like, this is a mundane job. It's not mundane now. Now that you're doing it to serve people, now that you're doing it for the Lord, now that you're doing it with the attitude of, if Jesus were walking in this room, I would want him to look and say, wow, this room looks beautiful. It changes everything. 
my job didn't change one bit. My attitude changed. So a lot of the times that we're not fulfilled in our job, it's not the job itself, it's my attitude. My attitude is on the wrong path, and that's what needs to change. Number three, expect your reward from the Lord. If you're working for the Lord and you're working like the Lord, you can expect reward from the Lord. Some people think, my boss never notices what I do. I say, yes, he does, because your boss is God. It's not that man, it's God. Like, when I put that extra effort in to make things better at work, he never notices or she never notices. I'm saying, what do you mean? Your boss notices. Your boss is God. He notices the things that nobody else sees you do. So you're doing it for him. Expect your reward from him. One day he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. One day you're going to be rewarded with treasures in heaven. So, okay, he saw it, and that's what matters. It doesn't matter if my boss noticed it. He noticed it. It doesn't matter if I feel like I work so hard and they ignore my effort. At least he sees it. I'm working for him. Colossians 3.24, remember that the Lord will reward you. For Christ is the real master that you serve. My real boss is Christ. So sometimes you work hard and you feel like nobody cares, the boss doesn't care. Maybe they even notice and they just don't even seem to care. Doesn't matter. He's not your real boss anyway. She's not your real boss anyway. With the right attitude, I don't only gain a paycheck, but I get eternal rewards that's going to be far better than what any paycheck is. So those three perspectives help you to find meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction in whatever job you have. So if you want to have a happy job environment, first of all, you have to change your own attitude. I'm doing this for God. I'm serving as if Jesus was going to come here. Whatever it is, I'm doing these taxes as if God's my boss and I'm serving him, so I want to give it the best. As if I'm going to do the taxes in the best way possible as if it was Jesus being my client and what could I do that would be the best for him. Like you do everything with that type of mindset, all of a sudden your job's fulfilled and you get rewards in heaven. You're going to be rewarded for it. And I focus on the rewards in heaven, but most of the time when you work with this type of attitude, you get rewarded on earth. Because your boss sees it. And you say, well, in the past, I was concerned about my boss seeing everything, and I wasn't being rewarded on earth. And then finally, when I decided, I'm working for God, and I changed my attitude, now your boss starts noticing. Because you can't help it. When somebody is working for God... And they're treating the client as if the client was Jesus. So how good and how fair and how awesome can I do it for him? Your boss is going to notice. Even though now you're not doing it for that reason. So most people are going to be rewarded on earth. Even though now they're not focused on that. They're focused on doing it for the right reason. Now, having said this, we talked about the purposes of why you work last week. And we talked about perspective. But with everything I said, we all know that some jobs just do not match who I am. They just don't match who I am. You still want to get the right job. If you're in the wrong job, you want the right perspective now. Okay? I'm going to enjoy what I'm in right now. I'm going to choose to do it for the right reason. But if it doesn't match your gifts and talents, it's time to start looking for something else. 
I don't suggest that you quit your job. I suggest that you keep your job while you're looking for something else that more fits who you are. Because there is something about getting a job that fits you. Isn't it great that we live in a country where you can change your job? Where you can choose and get your degree in one field and later on find out, I don't care for this so much, and still get another job in spite of the degree that you have. In a lot of countries, whatever you get your degree in, that's what you are. You can't change it. Are you the same person you were when you were 18 or 19 years old? I am so different. I am so different. The things I like to do when I was 18 and 19 are drastically different at age 55. Okay? Praise God, I can change. How many people get a degree and 10, 20 years down the road, they're not using that degree anymore? Because why? They changed. What they thought like, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing this. You can think that as an 18, 19-year-old going into college. But probably what you're thinking is not what you're going to think 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. People change. We grow. We move on. Sometimes those jobs help us along the way. So it's okay to change. I love that we have the right in this country to make changes. There's 50,000 different job titles. There's a lot out there, 50,000 different job titles. I'm sure there's more than one job title for you. I'm sure that there's several things out there that you could do and think, I fit here. This matches my gifts and talents. I can be successful here. I can love working here. And you might love working there for eight years. And then you've grown. You've changed. And now you say, hey, I don't, I, I don't fit here anymore. It's not that the job changes. You change. You change as a person. What are the things that you want to look at to help you have the right job? Number one is evaluate your past work. Your personal history tells a lot about you. In Galatians 6.4, it says that everyone learned to assess properly the value of his own work. Then he can be rightly proud when he has done something worth doing without depending on the approval of others. You assess properly your work. What did you do in the past? Like, what have I enjoyed doing before? What have I enjoyed doing? Because there are a lot of things that you just kind of, there's some patterns in your life of what you enjoy doing. You can enjoy doing something and really not be gifted at it, okay? And you're still going to be a failure if you pursue that. It's more than enjoying, but it's one of the areas you have to look at. It's one of the areas. It's just like you could be gifted at something and hate doing it. You can love doing something, but you're just horrible at it, really. But I love it, but you're just not good, you know? So it takes, it takes a few things to look at, but one of the things that you look at is, do I like doing this? What are the things I enjoy doing? What are the things I've seen in the past that, that inspire me, that motivate me? We have all kinds of abilities, but not all of them motivate us. But there's some that motivate us. I love working with kids. Man, that's so much fun. Or whatever it would be. But everybody has things that they like. I love working with numbers. I love working with words. We have different things. Some people are good at acquiring, and they have fun doing it. Some people are good at developing, and they have fun doing it. 
Some people are very good at influencing, and they have fun doing it. Some people are very good at going into some place and seeing what needs to improve and knowing how to do that. And they, they have fun doing these things. They actually say, I enjoy that. Some people are good organizers. Probably as a little kid, they were, you know, lining their shoes up in their, you know, kids do this. They're, they're just, like some kids are just born this way, lining the cars up, their little toy cars, and um, they're just good at organizing. Some people are born collectors. My brother, when he was a kid, he would collect bottle caps. He would collect baseball cards. He would collect, and as an adult, he goes to these um, yard sales, and he sees all these different things he buys, and then he fixes them up and sells them. But he loves collecting, even today. It's just something that he loves doing, and he makes a little money out of it, doing something that's so much fun for him. Some people like to perform. They're just, they have so much fun when they're performing. One of the things you want to do is you want to say, one of the factors for me to be happy at work is what do I really like to do? What's fun for me? You can think about when you were at school, what was fun? What was your favorite subject? My favorite subject was lunch. I don't know about you guys, but I, that was my favorite subject at school. But what do you like to do? You know, work with numbers. You know, work with money. Some people like to work with people. Some people like mechanical things. Okay, they have fun with that. Some people have fun with ideas and jotting things down and details. We're all different, and we're all needed. All those things are needed in different types of jobs. But if you want to have, like, I want to have the perspective of wherever I'm working, I'm doing it for God, I'm doing it with the right attitude, so if I'm stuck in a job, I can still be happy. You, you don't understand what I mean. Sometimes you're stuck in a job, but you chose to be happy because of your attitude, your perspective. But I want that job that I can have fun. Like, I love going to work. So that's what you want to do. What do you love doing? But you know that that's not enough because there's some things that you love doing that you're really bad at, and there's other things that you love doing that you're really good at. So number two, you have to evaluate your abilities. What are you actually good at doing? In Romans 12, 3, try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith God has given to you. A sane estimate of your capabilities. Because some people don't. Like I said last week, you know, American Idol, it's so funny when they're doing those auditions because some people don't have a sane estimate of their capabilities. And they get up there and they think that they're great singers and they're horrible. It's kind of sad that they're so horrible that everybody wants to watch it and laugh. You know, it's kind of sad that that's what happens. But that's what happens. Why? Because the Bible says have a sane estimate. That means, are you really good at this? Do I really have this ability? Because you want to do something that you love doing, but you have to be good at it. And there's enough things that you love doing that some of them you're really good at. So I love doing these things, but these are the things I'm good at. You pursue something that you can be successful at. In Romans 12, 6, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. All of us have those things that we can do well. And all of us have things that we love doing that we can do well. And you want to pull those things together. Nothing's more frustrating than having a job where you never use your gifts. The things I'm good at, I never do them at work. That's going to get depressing. And if the things you're doing at work 
you're not that good at, it's a very stressful environment to you. Because you spend 40 hours a week doing something that you're not that good at. And major stress. That's not God's will for your life. That's a miserable way of living. So I'm in this job where I'm not very good at doing it. I have all the stress. And I do it as if I'm doing it for God, but it's still bad quality. Do you understand? Have you ever done this? Maybe you can do this right now. If you have your pen and paper, take your hand, the normal hand that you sign things with, and sign your name. Everybody do that just for a minute. Just sign your name there, you know, with, your, with the hand that you usually write with. Okay, and now switch to the other hand and sign your name again. This time you're going to sign your name with the other hand. You know what happens when you sign your, your name with the other hand? It takes twice as long, and you still did a lousy job anyway. You worked twice as hard, and you still did a lousy job anyway. You understand what I mean? So even if I'm doing it for God, but I'm not using my gifts, I'm doing this as, like, I'm going to do this as good as I can as if I was going to do it for God. It's going to take you twice as long. It's going to be twice as hard for you, and it's still going to be twice as bad. Right? So you can do something for God, but if you're not gifted at it, you're going to do a lousy job for God. So all I'm here to say is find what you're good at. Because if you're not good at it, you can work as hard as you want to, and you're still going to have lousy results. So you have to find something that you're gifted at. You know, sometimes people just take the first job available. I need a job. But if you're not gifted and wired in that job, you know, like you get a sales job, but you're not a salesman. You don't like to talk on the phone. It's not going to work. It's going to be like writing with, in my case, it's my left hand, writing with my left hand all day, and it's twice as hard, twice as long. I'm working twice as hard, and my results are twice as bad as everybody else because it's not about effort. It's about ability and giftedness. Do what you're gifted to do. Some people are gifted at writing. Some people are gifted at speaking. Some people are gifted at building, evaluating, performing. Some people are gifted with sales. You see this in marriage, too. I've seen, because I do a lot of marriage counseling, I've seen married, married uh, couples get really upset with each other, like, he's horrible with the checkbook. She's just ripping him apart. And he says, I'm not good at this type of stuff. Well, you're the man of the house. You should be taking care of this. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What made you think that the person that balances the checkbook has to be the man? Because my dad always balanced the checkbook at our house. Was he good at it? Yes, he was. And not unlike my husband. Well, wait a minute. No, in a marriage, the one that's gifted at it should be the one doing it. Who should balance the, the checkbook? The one that's good at balancing the checkbook. You give it to the other person, you're asking for problems. You're asking them to write with their opposite hand and do a good job. You know what I'm saying? So even in marriage, whatever roles you think are supposed to be there, sometimes you need to switch them over. Like maybe you have it in your mind, this is the role of a man, this is the role of a woman. But it doesn't work like that. People have different gifts and different talents, and sometimes what you have in your head isn't the role for your family. You need to switch it over. Who's gifted at that? My wife knows I'm not that good of a cook. So you know what she does? She cooks. You know what I do while she's cooking? I play with the kids. I'm really good at that. 
I'm really good at that. I'll play with the kids while she's cooking, and I'm good at that. And you know what happens? The kids are happy, I'm happy, and everybody eats good food. We're doing what we're gifted to do. But I can tell you what, she's good at playing with the kids too. She could do that role, and the kids would be happy. Everybody would be happy until dinner time. <laughs> okay, dinner's ready. Okay, then all oh, the happiness just dropped. You know, so you have to do what you're good at. You know, you have to do what you're gifted at. Work with each other. Don't have things in your mind that it has to be a certain way if that doesn't match the gifts and talents within the family because nobody's good at everything. And if you try to do what you're not good at, it's going to frustrate you. Successful people seldom focus on things that they're not good at. That's why they're successful. They get other people to do those things. When your gifts match your job and your desires, what you enjoy doing matches your job, that's when your job becomes a very exciting place. You want to help your children understand how they are, what their abilities are, what they like doing. Sometimes we try to make our children us, us. If your child likes to do music, help them pursue music. Like I'm good at math. I don't expect my kids to be good at math. One son loves math. The other one struggles with it. But he's really good at writing and those type of things and English type of things, which I'm horrible at. We're all different. You know, so you want them to understand what they're good at and what they like doing and encourage that. Number three, because just having what you enjoy doing and just knowing what you're good at doing isn't enough. If you really want to be successful at work, you want to evaluate your work environment. Because you can enjoy a certain type of work and know that you have the gifts, but at this workplace and this environment, you're going to be miserable doing that. But at this workplace and this environment, you're going to succeed and be happy. Because the work environment has a lot to do with how you do. God's made us different. We work differently under different circumstances. And some styles of serving are very successful in one circumstance, but in another environment, it's a horrible situation for them. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 5 says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, and there are different ways of serving. Circle different ways. Sometimes to do something, there's not one way to do it. And someone says, okay, here's what you're going to do, and you have to do it this way. Boom, 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 boom. And you say, well, that's not me. Let me do it my way. If you let me do it my way, it'll be successful. But you're making me do it a way that I'm not wired that way. I'm not going to function that way. It'd be like a coach. Some of those coaches that like to grab the, the kid by the helmet and yell at their face, and they're successful. But they're, you get out there, and, but they're successful. And they're telling me, okay, listen, this is how you do it. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to grab a kid by the helmet and yell on his face. I'm not wired that way. And we have super successful teams too. There's more than one way to get there, and I can't do it somebody else's way. I'm not wired that way. So you can see someone that loves coaching, that has the giftedness to coach, but in that environment, no, I, I don't want that job. I don't want to work under that system. It's not that I don't have the ability. It's not that I don't love it. I cannot function in that environment. I need a, an environment that is positive and encouraging because that's how I'm wired as a person. That's how I, I do the team. And that's how we succeed 
in my environment. I don't like that other environment. I would be angry all the time, and I'm not, I can't be like that. So what environment do I best work in? Where can I be productive? See, some people like environments where everything's structured. You know all the rules. You know all the regulations. You know all the policies. The job description is very clear. You know exactly what's expected of you. With those parameters around you, you think, okay, this is, okay, now I'm good. And that's good because you need that. Because you want to know exactly what you're going. There's a sense of security. You feel like you know what you're focusing on. You don't feel like you're wasting your time. And yet, you meet some people that are the opposite of that. They don't like structure. They think it inhibits their creativity, and it does for them. They feel like you're killing their freedom, and you're confining them. And they work better without a lot of structure. They're just different. And two people can both be successful. They both have gifts toward this. They both love doing it, but they need a different environment in order to get there because people are different. Some people, they need a competitive environment. If it's competitive, that motivates them because they feel like, okay, I, I've got to work harder because I'm competing against this person, that person, and they love it. Other people, if they get in a competitive environment, they freeze up. They can't relax. The competitive environment prevents them from succeeding, and they need an environment where they're just doing the best they can, where if they're looking at other people, oh, they're getting behind, they get discouraged, and they don't want to work, like, because they're just wired differently. But if you say, just do the best you can, they actually excel because they're not seeing somebody doing better, that being focused on, then they feel like a loser. And when you feel like a loser, you don't want to even try. So both can succeed if they're in the right environment. Some people need that competition, that competitive environment. Some people, that's exactly what they don't need. Some people work really well under pressure. You might have been one of those people that you can never do your homework, you can never do your homework, you can never do your homework, you need to, you need to study, you study. And then it's 10 o'clock the night before the test. I've got to study. Once the pressure's on, you study really hard. And you said, and I made B's and A's all through college. Wait until the last minute. Why do you wait until the last minute? I could just never do it until the pressure came. But once I felt pressured, I could, now I can pound it out. Some people work well under pressure. Other people, you know, they get an ulcer working under pressure. You put them under pressure all the time, they're going to have to go see the doctor. They can't stand that. It's miserable for them. So the work environment matters. You want a great job, the environment matters. It's not just I love doing this and I have these abilities, but the environment matters. You have to be in the right environment. And the number one thing, the, the most important thing that will affect whether you're going to be successful at a work uh, place or what job you should take is how you relate to people. Evaluate how you relate to people. That's the most important one because nothing can bring dissatisfaction in a job more than being in conflict with the people at work. You could be in a good environment that's good for you. Let's say you're competitive and it's in a competitive environment. You have the abilities and gifts, and let's say that you love doing it. But at work, you're in constant conflict with the people at work. That's the number one thing that makes people want to live, leave a job. It's not the environment. Of course, that's a big one. It's not even lack of ability. The number one thing that makes someone not want to be at a place is if they're in constant conflict with people there. Who wants to go to work where, people, where you feel like everybody's against you? Who wants to be at a workplace where you feel like they don't like you? So you have a consistent pattern of how you relate to people. 
You've probably had it since you were a kid. You know how kids get on the playground and one of them's a natural leader and he says, let's play football today. And it's like pretty much when he says that, that's where everybody's going to play. Because the majority of people are cooperative and compliant and easy to get along with. And football, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter to us. We just want to have fun. It matters to him. He's a good leader. We'll play football. And there's always that one kid that says, who made you the boss? But he doesn't get listened to as much. But he's that type of person. There's some kids that are independent. They don't want to play football or baseball. They're just climbing, you know, the ropes and doing things like that. And there's the other kid that wants to sit in the corner and read a book. And they're saying, hey, this is time to go out and play. And they say, I am. And they're satisfied reading a book. We're wired differently. We are all different as people. And we weren't meant to be the same. But what happens is we get into relationship things, and sometimes we're expecting everybody to be like us. And when they're not, there becomes conflict at the workplace. And you'll start feeling miserable when those things happen. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. It mentions four different ways of relating to people. Most people aren't good at all four of those. There are some people that are great warners. Like you have the ability to go to a person and say, hey, you're blowing it. Some people are great at encouraging people. Some people are great at being patient with people. Some people are great at helping people. You just tend to have a natural bent of how you are. But there's no single style of relating that's better or worse. They're all needed. Some people relate to people like we're a team. So their idea is we're a team, and you're someone that's more independent, and then it creates conflict. And then they start bad-mouthing you. And you're just different. You don't work well as a team member. You work well alone. Other people love that team environment. And for you, it's a negative thing. You know, some people are good at coordinating. Some people are good at coaching. And some people expect you to be the same way. And you're different, and it creates conflict. Conflict usually comes from just your personality type and attitude that you have. Some people are loud, and other people get upset with them, and they turn against them. Some people are quiet, and people expect them to speak up more, and it's just not who they are. And you get environments where you're rubbing people the wrong way. If you're like a Marine sergeant type of person, don't take the job for the kindergarten class. You know, you're just not wired there. You're going to have conflict with everybody. You're going to have a lot of parents mad at you. If you're a born salesman, you don't take the job at the librarian because you're going to get loud and excited and you're going to have conflict with your bosses because that's not the place where you get loud and excited. That's the place where you, you know, calm down. You have Paul and Barnabas. They were an effective team working together. They were doing a lot for God together. But they related to people differently. John Mark was with them and doing ministry with them and halfway before the job was finished, John Mark quit on them and went back home. And later on, they were going to go out again. And John Mark went to them and said, hey, forgive me. I should have never let you guys down and quit on you. Uh, I'm a different person now. And I'm ready to go now. And I can finish the job now. And Barnabas said, great, let's go. And Paul said, I'm not taking him. Burn me once. Shame on you. Burn me twice. Shame on me. I'm not taking them. 
and they had a big fight over it. It was a fight over how they relate to people. Barnabas was saying, give the guy a second chance. And Paul was saying, not with the type of stuff we do. I'm not willing to risk that again. And you know what? The Bible never said who was right or who was wrong. It never said. All the Bible said is they got in such a fight over it that Paul decided, okay, I'll take these guys with me to do ministry. You take him and your guys to, and we'll just do separate ministries from now on. We'll reach twice as many people that way, but I'm not taking them with me. And they had such a big fight over it, that's what they did. And you know what happened? They ended up reaching twice as many people for the Lord. But the split was over how they deal with relationships. And Paul could not deal with that. I can't deal with that. Because I'm not going to take a risk getting out there and depend on this guy, and then he flakes on us. And Barnabas is saying, people change, people change. You've changed, Paul. Remember what you used to be like? And they're both right. People change. And at the same time, we've all been in situations where we've been burned by somebody, and we're not going to, I'm not going to be so stupid to get burned again. We've both been on both sides. We both understand. And there wasn't a right or wrong answer. It was just two different people relating to people differently. So the conflict caused them to go different directions and do great ministry that reached a lot of people for the Lord. It's kind of funny. It was because of their style of relating to people, they ended up reaching more people for Christ than they would have ever st sticking together. It's kind of weird that, that God would allow the human conflict in a relationship to cause twice as much good stuff to happen. Because God's grace is still greater than man's weaknesses. But it's all about people, relating to people. Paul was in an environment that he didn't feel like he could relate to John Mark in a proper way. And for him to have to work together with John Mark was going to be a miserable experience for him. That's an environment because I can't work with somebody like that. It would ruin, it would ruin everything. I'd be miserable. I can't work with that. And he couldn't. You know, it makes a big difference. The people that you're working with makes a big difference. You want to work in an environment with people that you can work with. Chemistry is so important for people that the group working together has the right chemistry. Sometimes at work, you can have the right chemistry and things are going really good and then you bring in one new person and it's not that they're a bad person. But it ruins the chemistry and it ruins the success of what they're trying to accomplish. And they might be a good person, but they're really bad at that work environment. And then it's bad for them to be there, and it's bad for the team. And it's sometimes best for that person to find a job somewhere else where they do have a chemistry with others, where they can be successful. But it's hard to do that. It's hard to say, like, wow, this person's, there's nothing wrong with them as a person, but it upsets the chemistry of the team and the success as a result of that. I see it in professional sports. They, sometimes you get this superstar on this team, and the team goes down because it ruins the chemistry of the team. Because him as a person, he clashes with those other guys. And that internal clashing is affecting them on their job. And they decide to trade him for somebody else. And they say, how can you trade him? He's the best one. You have a choice. You either trade him or you trade the four other guys or five other guys. You know what I mean? And they make a trade because the chemistry was bad. He goes to a team where he fits better, and they zoom to the top. They get somebody that fits better for them, and they zoom to the top. And one team that was really lousy 
because of chemistry, making a couple of changes, now you have two super teams. That's the reality. That's what really happens. So if you're in an environment that you love your work and stuff, but the chemistry is bad, sometimes that's enough to change a job where you have a better chemistry with people. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Circle, help each other. The main thing that you're doing in a job is you're providing a service, you're providing a product. You might be serving them directly or indirectly, but it's about helping people. That's what gives you significance. That first verse, then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor. How do you find satisfaction? Well, first you have to change your perspective of it because you can find meaning and satisfaction wherever you are. But then sometimes you have to change your position. Find a job that matches who you are. I believe one of the reasons why people hit midlife crises is they're going through their life and they're looking back and they're, they're not really using their gifts and talents and what they're good at and they're feeling like they wasted their life. They wasted their life. You don't want to feel like you wasted your life. You want to feel like what you're doing is something valuable. Sometimes their values were in power, prestige, possession, pleasure. Then they start getting through their life and they realize those things ended up being really empty. You know, they didn't really make me happy, you know, pursuing those things. And they feel betrayed by their job or by their life or by their decisions. No matter what job you have, you need to know this. The ideal job is a myth. There is no ideal job. And no matter how good a job is, you're still, if you're trying to find your fulfillment in that job, you're still going to have that emptiness inside like something's missing. If you try to find your fulfillment in your marriage, you're still going to find that emptiness inside that something's missing. If you try to find your fulfillment in your children, you're still going to find that emptiness that something's missing because something is missing. What's the only thing that you can find fulfillment in? God. God. Only God can meet that deepest emptiness. So no job's going to really do it anyway, not 100%. So even if you get everything right, you're still going to not be satisfied, really, unless Jesus is on the throne of your life. So what I want to do is I want to start with Jesus. Jesus, I'm putting you in the center of my life. I want you to fill me I'm going to find my happiness in you. That's number one. And then you pursue the best job that you can get, the best marriage you can have, or best friends and relationship. But all those other things are really nothing. If God's not in the center of your life, you're going to be empty anyway. So no matter what you do, you're going to get at the end and say, I'm not really fulfilled. So it starts with God. Make sure that he's in the center. And then all those other things will matter. There's a verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So first say, Jesus, I need you in the middle of my life. And then you can find those other things, and you'll get more fulfillment out of them anyway. But you won't without that. Without that, you're still going to be unhappy anyway. You're still going to be empty on the inside. There's still going to be something missing. So with that, let's pray. And I want to start by praying about having Jesus in the center. And then we can pray together uh, silently about our work and everything as well. Dear God, we recognize that fulfillment only really comes from you. And Lord, we want you to be in the center of our life. We're living our life for you. 
we're relying on you to meet our deepest needs. And Lord, with that, we know that we're on the right path. Lord, help us to have the right perspective. Lord, that no matter where we're working, we're going to work for you. We're going to work as if we're serving you. We're expecting you to reward us. So no matter what my job is, whether I like it or not, I can find fulfillment in it. But Lord, at the same time, we know that we want jobs that do match who we are. So Lord, help us to seek those type of jobs if we're not in one right now. One that we can really love doing. Lord, help us to find a job where, you know, it matches my abilities, where the environment I'm in works well for me, and where I have a great chemistry with the people there. Because Lord, I recognize if I want to have success at work, those are the things that really make it come about. Lord, we thank you that you want us to enjoy work, that work was meant to be something good and meaningful and that we can find satisfaction in it. Ultimately, we know our satisfaction comes from you, but we want to thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.